Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson, the talk show that makes the connections between research, policies, and practitioners that are too often missing from the American education system. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. I am your host, Jonathan Jefferson. You can learn more about me at my show page on TalkZone.com. Today, we will discuss integrating education with technology. The new millennium generation of students are visual, virtual, and digital learners born into a visual, virtual, and digital world. So why are so many schools and classrooms structured as though we still that we're still living during the Industrial Revolution? You can still find students sitting in rows with the all-knowing sage of a teacher standing in front of them. This outdated model of schooling is so prevalent that even Hollywood directors still depict classrooms in that manner. How can we restructure schools to meet the needs of modern learners? Today, I have two extraordinarily knowledgeable, experienced professionals who are going to share their insights on this very topic. My first guest is Sabrina Oliver. Sabrina Oliver is a technology teacher, founder and managing director of the Ojai Technologies LLC, and founder of the Ojai Willow Project, a nonprofit organization focused on girls. Sabrina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Jefferson. Hello. Sabrina, I know you have many, many titles, and as I was looking through the website for Ojai Technologies, one of your many titles is that of an IT integration specialist. First, tell us what IT stands for, and then tell us what an IT integration specialist does. Um, IT stands for information technology. Uh, an information technology integration specialist um, helps organizations, whether it's a school organization, a um, a business organization, it doesn't matter if it's public or profit organization, uh, any organization or enterprise interested in integrating technology, information technology, for various reasons. Uh, one reason might be to um, make sure that they're better able to um, make sure that the flow of organ, excuse me, the flow of communication throughout the organization is seamless. And that is done so through uh, various types of technology, information technology softwares, as well as uh, computing devices. Uh, also, for a school standpoint, IT, information technology integration, can also be uh, seen, as your topic suggests, uh, you know, in the classroom for either, and it shouldn't be either, actually for both, for teaching and learning. So an IT integration specialist uh, will also uh, collaborate uh, with another role of IT, which is instructional uh, technology, um, to make sure that those things are effective in a classroom um, through various modes of technology. And when I say modes, I'm talking about e-learning, the broad mode, distance education, um, uh, mobile technology, a number of different factors. So an IT integration specialist will take into account all those things and more. Okay. Now, how would your team of IT specialists evaluate a school district to determine how to maximize a school district's technology to improve student achievement? Uh, that's a great question. The first thing my team would do at, at – um, 
Ojai Technologies LLC, the first thing we do is we first want to understand how the district is using the technology that they have in hand. Uh, one of the benefits of, of my company is that uh, we try, our main goal is to maximize the technology that you already have uh, in use and, and possibly uh, in use, uh, available, but or should I call it in stock, but really not in use. Uh, we find that many um, school districts, unfortunately, are feeling the pressure uh, to use uh, technology. Uh, and when I say technology, I'm talking about electronics, digital technology. However, the technologies that they currently have, they're really not using to its fullest potential. And, uh, for example, um, their Microsoft Office Suite, there are many things that you can do with Microsoft Office Suite uh, to assess um, you know, uh, excuse me, to assess uh, instruction, uh, to deliver instruction in a different way, and also for students um, to actually collaborate and present uh, their, uh, their lessons uh, learned, even in a project-based environment. So try to help them understand what they have. Uh, we also then assess uh, the user's uh, comfort level with the technology. Many times uh, schools are asking their teachers, uh, their staff to use technology and training is an issue and also comfort level uh, really has to be addressed and uh, training. Uh, we try to also assess whether or not training is uh, just an event uh, for the particular technology at hand when a technology is first purchased, or is this something that's uh, on a continual basis? And, and then also uh, for the professionals, uh, as far as uh, assessing the comfort level of the staff, want to know the, uh, the interest and the commitment of the staff to self-efficacy. Are they interested on their own in learning uh, technology and to what extent that is? And then we actually look at uh, the objectives and the goals of the district's technology plan and further help them to define it more clearly, uh, understand it as it relates to their budget, and see how we can develop it in a phase-by-phase -phase basis uh, to make it real and make it uh, sustainable uh, for them. Okay. Now, one of the things I, I read on your website regarding uh, the uh, evaluation process, you state that uh, you would use a multi-layered analysis of technology use and its users. What exactly is meant by that? Well, the, it's, it's basically exactly uh, some of the things that I stated previously, a multi-array, meaning how is the district actually using it. First, I need to understand, is the district uh, calling my team in to help with technology, for example, uh, for IT communication, meaning with their student information system and their day-to-day -day business process, the, the business of running the school, because that's one set of uh, information technology. Or, or, and is the school district actually calling us in, uh, the team in, to assess uh, and help them with uh, teaching and learning? Uh, information technology for teaching and learning, which are uh, parallel in a sense, but they're two different 
two different things altogether. The um, the business of the school district, for example, business uh, excuse me, school districts are uh, they're responsible for information archiving, uh, student information, making sure student information is available to uh, staff and teachers uh, to run the day to day and uh, historical. Uh, you know, drawing con- historical uh, data uh, decision making, dis- excuse me, data decision making uh, decisions. Or, you know, if someone has been out of school for many years, the school is also responsible for that. So that's one thing. Also, the school is also responsible with communing, communicating with the district, the school district at large. So that's, I, that IT is. Um, that IT understanding of what the district needs is something that we can help with. Uh, one of the other things, uh, another multifaceted uh, uh, way that we can help is in the classroom. How does the district need us to help uh, leverage learning, leverage teaching? Uh, is the district actually, uh, as you prescribed, uh, still with an industrial model? Of, and many schools are, unfortunately, and some of it's because of budget concerns. Uh, some school districts are thinking about, uh, you know, the BYOD, bring your own device, uh, how to handle that, how to handle bandwidth for that. Um, you know, the one-to-one, uh, one computer per every child, uh, these types of decisions. Uh, once you have these devices, what's different about the curriculum? How, you know, and so an IT integration specialist will have to take into account instructional technology needs and delivery uh, of how to make these things effective and affordable, more importantly. So these are the things that my company helps with. Now, you mentioned budget, and you you mentioned that some districts may, because of budget, uh, still have the traditional model of a classroom, but can't. Uh, technology actually save districts money in the long run? Uh, say, um, absolutely. Um, the, the first time when a district is actually uh, considering uh, uh, this whole uh, transition into, uh, let's say, 21st century realm or the millennium, dealing with the millennium learners. We call them um, the digital natives. Um, uh, what we first have to understand as uh, a district trying to uh, enter the 21st century playground or, or learning environment modes, we first have to understand that the outlay, the initial outlay, will cost prohibitive. Uh, but if you're, if you're thinking about the cost just in dollars or cents versus cost effectiveness, uh, it may seem that it costs a lot. However, there are many different ways to, you know, to um, offer a uh, offset, excuse me, uh, the cost. Uh, what a district needs to first take into account is its needs. The district needs to take into account its commitment. The district needs not to first think about technology uh, in its integration po- um, uh, purchases. It actually needs to take into a, uh, account its educa- is education goals. What goals does it have? And then, and then look into the technology to meet those goals. Uh, and and that's and that's so very important because so many school districts unfortunately are looking to buy the technology for technology sake 
to say that we, we have it, to say that we're doing it. And when you do that, you uh, plenty of times what has been seen by uh, myself and other IT uh, uh, experts is that scalability is not taken into account. Technology is always changing, and therefore, uh, because technology is always changing, the capacity, the, the excuse me, the capacity for previously purchased technology uh, may not meet the needs of tomorrow's technology. So you you really have to start with, uh, as you said, uh, Dr. Jefferson, uh, you know, what is it that, uh, you know, why is it that schools are still working in the same way in industrial um you know, the industrial era uh, ways of teaching. Uh, what the school district needs to first identify and see for itself as vision is what it envisions itself, how it envisions itself as a millennium or 21st century school district. And, and by doing that and realizing uh, all the different uh, collaborative ways that, uh, you know, students are learning, uh, people are communicating with one another, how people can uh, communicate from any time, anywhere, um, how people are, students are accessing information. It really requires a paradigm shift. And unfortunately, if this, um, if this vision is solely thought of by digital immigrants, meaning those who are just really not that comfortable with technology because that's not the area that they were born into versus the digital natives, okay, who are born, these students are born into uh, knowing technology, uh, you know, even as babies. You see in baby presence uh, where little babies are learning and uh, how to use, how to multitask with, um, I shouldn't say multitask, how to um, use technology for uh, different types of computing devices. If we don't accept, if digital, uh, you know, immigrants don't accept that they need to think like the natives and adjust themselves and make that paradigm shift, the cost of technology for schools will always be exorbitant because we're not thinking uh, about uh, where we want to be and where we have to be. But the traditional mode, like you said, um, it, it is passe, and we need to move from it. Okay. And we're going to talk more about what the baby boomers can learn from the babies. Um, but right now we need to take a short break. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Educate on Talk Zone. Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Sabrina Oliver. Sabrina, with so much technology available at our fingertips, such as smartphones, iPads, etc., does technology or digital immigrants truly still exist? Uh, definitely. They actually do, uh, exist. And, uh, believe it or not, not only do the, uh, digital immigrants exist, but what, what we're seeing in the classroom, uh, those of us who are, um, digital natives, uh, regardless of the age, uh, such as, uh, uh, myself or anyone else who is extremely comfortable with technology, we're seeing that the digital natives are immigrants 
<laughs> when it comes to uh, using technology um, for learning. Uh, the, many times we really, we as uh, uh, digital, uh, should I say, we as teachers in the classroom, we believed, we adults, we digital immigrants believed the students, the digital natives, they, they know technology, they use technology, they you know everything. Well, they know it to the extent that they use it for socializing, uh, uh, for meeting up with their friends, but it is for us in the uh, classroom and in the schools to really show uh, how they can leverage these tools that they're using for entertainment, how they can use it for edutainment is called. Uh, so, yes, it definitely uh, digital immigrants... Uh, still exists because, uh, again, there's a comfort level of, uh, there's a comfort level when it comes to technology. Uh, uh, some people just really are not comfortable with exploring technology and some others are, who are comfortable, once they reach a comfort level, they're not comfortable with the fact that they have to learn something new. And, um, and just, you know, talk to, uh, any, um, Apple, uh, uh, Apple user or uh, fan of Apple, and ask them to switch over to Android, and you, you know you'll, you'll see it. You'll, you'll see the discomfort, and, and you'll hear it in the conversations. It's very interesting. Now, now you're a technology teacher. Can you give us a specific example of edutainment as opposed to the social media use of technology? Um, yes. Uh, what I actually teach is my uh, what my background and my uh, teaching um, licenses in technology education, um, and in technology education, uh, which is a study that covers human ability uh, to shape and change the physical world and to meet needs, and there are uh, seven different areas of of technology, um, types of technologies, um, one being manufacturing production, transportation is another, energy and power is another, construction, bio, uh, which covers the medical and the agricultural technologies, and then lastly, the information technologies. In my classroom, I actually teach bio, the two types, the last two types, biotechnology and information communication uh, technologies. And um, through that, my students either receive a math or a science credit based on their cohort. So I say all that to say to explain that um, in tech, as a technology education teacher, I'm more interested in the study of technology. However, because the two types of technologies I'm responsible for teaching my high school students is bioinformation communication, we do use uh, we do use several different types of um, uh, information communication technology devices, or better known as uh, ICT uh, devices. And one way that um, you know, uh, to answer your question, is uh, let's take uh, Twitter, uh, for example. Um, I, well, I shouldn't say Twitter because uh, I'm finding that many students are telling me that not only are they no longer on Facebook or uh, Twitter because they feel that's where the, um, uh, to say it nicely, the digital immigrants are, they have moved to, um, Oh my gosh! What's the name of it? Uh, Instagram. 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 Yes, 
they have moved to Instagram. Uh, so uh, one of the things that you would do, because Instagram is an application, a photo app uh, application, uh, where students uh, can modify pictures. And now Instagram also has uh, short uh, video that, that that they can loop and they can create and uh, loop. Well, a teacher can actually integrate if the school allows it. Uh, some teachers are ne- not necessarily uh, comfortable with creating an Instagram uh, and sharing that uh, name, uh, their Instagram access with their students. But let's say that they are uh, comfortable and the school actually supports that. But the um, they can do their... There can be before and after photos uh, for, say, my subject, since uh, technology education is really about the history of a particular uh, technology uh, item, let's say the first PC, uh, since we're talking about uh, information communication technology, and then uh, um, and how that technology has evolved. So how has that technology evolved from the PC, well, to a, a laptop? And then they can show a uh, picture of that. And then how has it evolved today and where do they think it is going towards the nanotechnology? So a student could actually show uh, uh, on their Instagram, uh, using their Instagram app, uh, four different pictures to show the history, the in different evolutionary processes, and then have them think futuristic as a, technolo- a technology education student should. And then, Excellent. you know, there are other, use- other ways and other different uh, social medias that they can use. That's an excellent example. Uh, to my guests, if you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on TalkZone. Now, Sabrina, we talked about uh, Ojai Technologies. We, we spoke briefly about um, what you do as an educator, but you also have a nonprofit. You have the, you, know, you founded the Ojai Willow Project. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, yes, this is uh, uh, the Ojai Willow Project, uh, Dr. Jefferson, and I appreciate it uh, that you mentioned it. This is my baby. This is um, I, this is a project so near and dear to my heart because uh, the the representation of females are really minuscule when it comes to uh, still today in the 21st century when it comes to uh, the fields of science, technology. Um, engineering and math and and what i'm interested in is not only uh exposing these careers uh to to girls because i think part of the problem why we can't uh bring them into these careers is because there's not enough exposure um also uh I'm very interested in providing internships and apprenticeships. And not only do I want them in the career and uh, be successful in the career, but I want to help them, uh, you know, be leaders uh, on a global level uh, because 21st century is really about interacting and working in a global, uh, you know, labor market. And, and, and this is something that I am so so interested in because uh, at one point in time, um, at one point in time, I myself, when I first got into teaching, I came through teaching because I, I originally was uh, in the automotive technology field. I graduated from Denver Automotive and Diesel College, and at that time, I remember being one of five girls in a school about 
uh, maybe about 200, 300 uh, men. And uh, it was it was odd. But what it did for me is uh, not only did it open up many opportunities, but because I had that background, uh, when I decided to become an educator, um, I did not have to do the four years of teaching. I came in uh, through a non-traditional route. And because I came in through a non-traditional route, I came in at two years plus my experience uh, as um, an automotive, um, in, I'm sorry, uh, in the automotive uh, career, I was able to start at the same base salary as any teacher, first-year teacher coming in with a master's. So I say all that to say that girls, when they go through non-traditional routes, uh, non-traditional career paths, should I say, they, we tend to make more money. And we tend to have uh, opportunities that, uh, you know, uh, that would not be available to us, uh, say, the other, in the other career. So I'm, I'm very interested in this, and this is uh, near and dear to me. Approximately what age are the girls that you're focusing on? I'm actually focusing um, on girls from largely from middle school all the way through um, to the end of their bachelor's, actually until receiving their bachelor's uh, for, uh, you know, for the apprenticeship support. Absolutely. So young women and girls would be safe to say. Yes, young women and girls. Okay. And can you give us a specific type of um, opportunities that girls may experience through the, the Ohio Willow Project? Uh, one opportunity that we have uh, coming up, uh, which is um, a workshop opportunity, uh, we've partnered with... Um, a studio in California, uh, and we're taking them on a summer apprenticeship. It's actually a workshop of four or five days, I think it's four days, um, apprenticeship program. And these girls will uh, learn uh, how to work behind the scenes of a TV uh, show. They will learn how to be uh, all, all the different uh, jobs, like a grit person. They will also have a writer's workshop. And, and these are things that would not be available to them. So I have a commitment from one company like that. I also have a commitment from uh, someone else who is actually uh, international now, overseas, and he has a sustainable farm. And uh, I'm looking to uh, bring some girls over there and and help them, you know, to see how not only the sustainable farm was created, but also how to uh, maintain it, upkeep it, uh, excuse me, same thing, and also, uh, you know, just to see the processes and the resources that are required to also um, work Work in a uh, work in a country that they're not used to, and also just take information that they're learning there, and also bring information from home and exchange that information. So those are some of the things that we're doing, and other things that we're doing is uh, different type of uh, smaller workshops, just exposure to let them know what type of careers are out there, what girls are doing, and um, you know there'll be many more things that we're doing. And um, okay. 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 Now, if someone wanted to learn more about the Ohio Willow Project or even uh, contribute to it, since it is a nonprofit, uh, where should they go? They should actually go to o-hitech.com. And for if you click on a tab, nonprofit efforts, you'll see the Ohio Willow Project. 
if you want to state in the day-to-day um, information that uh, Ojai Willow Project is giving um, out uh, on a day-to-day basis, Ojai Willow Project has a Facebook page, and it is called the Ojai Willow Project uh, at Facebook.com. Um, okay. So that's one way that they can stay in the know. Okay. We've been speaking with Sabrina Oliver, founder and managing director of the Ojai Technologies LLC and the Ojai Willow Project. To learn more about Ojai Technologies LLC, visit their website at o-hitech.com. And to follow the Ojai Willow Project, like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Ojai Willow Project. Sabrina, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Jefferson. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Stay tuned because in our next half hour, we'll be joined by a school district director tasked with integrating education with technology. And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion on integrating education with technology. My next guest is Janet Friedman. Janice Friedman is the Director of Library and Media Services and Instructional Integration for the Uniondale School District on Long Island in New York. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Well, Janice, let's let's continue our our discussion here regarding uh, integrating education with technology. And I know this is something you're tasked with in in your school district. Um, With high-stakes testing, and competing demands on school district budgets, why is it important for school school boards to continue allocating funds for technology? Interesting question, and one that is posed, I would say, much too frequently. Um, I could go in two directions to answer this question. One is two that both. we have <laughs> well, right. One is that we have no choice because districts need to ensure readiness for computer-based testing. Even though New York State is a state that voted not to participate in park assessments, which is computer-based um, assessments in the 2014-15 school year, we do have to assume that computer-based testing is around the corner, whether it's done through park or through New York State. And the only way to implement such tests is to put money behind the infrastructure to support them. We'd have to we'd have to purchase, um, make sure there are enough computers for all the students and the wireless networks and, um, and, and wired networks can support access to them. Okay. And, a, and a, also aside from the practical considerations, I believe that in the 21st century, that question really no longer should be on the table. Um, okay. So imagine for a moment that we prepare students for the world of work and the world of higher education without providing them with access to technology. I believe that our students simply would not be able to compete or even function. Okay. Uh, one of the most compelling uses of technology, I believe, which happens to be my personal favorite, is accessing information. I say that because of my background as a librarian. That's how I spent many years in the field and how I really got into technology. But accessing the information is just the first stop on the train. 
Our students have to learn how to access it, evaluate its validity, interpret and analyze the information, and use the information as a springboard to go into even more depth and follow tangents of interest. And then they have to synthesize the information. And finally, if they have the information at, at their fingertips, they have to know how to communicate their findings. Now, so, is this something that's offered yeah. in schools, this this training of students how to do this research? They, they, it, it's definitely, it's, it's seamlessly incorporated in the schools. Just think about when students are asked to do research projects. Um, they have to know how to access the, they have to know how to find the information and they have to know what to do with the information, what they find it, once they find it. It used to be that students would just find the information by pouring through books. But now they need to use, use technology to find the information, whether, you know, they're using online da- databases or they're, you know, going online to different libraries to get the most up-to-date resources. They have to know how to um, get, get their hands on the information, and they have to know how to determine whether that information has validity because there's so much out there that is, you know, is questionable. So they need to they need to be able to um, make decisions about the information they find, and they need to know how to present the information in an engaging way. One of the highest levels of um, Bloom's taxonomy, one of the highest level, and the depth of knowledge, one of the highest levels of thinking, has to do with synthesizing the information that they find. And I, in technology, you have to know how to handle technology in order to uh, in the 21st century in order to get your hands on the information and communicate it in a, communicate it in a, you know, in a cohesive, coherent way. Okay. Now, at what age would you, would, should students start learning how to, um, analyze this research? Is there an age or a grade that's most ideal? Oh, I think it has to start as, I mean, it might sound crazy, but I think it needs to start as early as, as kindergarten because I mean, there's no, I mean, the students today, I mean, many of the students come in with, you know, having already had their hands on their parents' iPhones or tablets or smartphones or whatever, but they need to know, there are, they need to know how to be able to get their hands on information from a very, very young age. We have in Uniondale, we have databases that our students use, I would say, starting in second grade where students are charged to do um, research and they might be looking at, let's say, they're looking at uh, different animals and they're comparing and contrasting um, the habitat of the different animals and they might be thinking about what animal um, would make a better pet. You know, they have to be able to think about those kinds of things. And students from a very young age can, you know, can draw those conclusions based on what they read or what, what is read to them. Okay. And it's not now, just... It, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish your thought. Okay, it's not just, you know, that when they, you know, it's not if they're not reading yet, I started to say if they're not reading yet, then they certainly could be, you know, the the teacher or librarian can read to them and they could make, you know, make thoughtful decisions about the information that they, they're hearing about, that they're hearing um, in order to and communicate, you know, conclusions based on what they hear. Okay. Now, we discussed how 
students can can search and access information, but how does the use of technology in a school environment help our students learn how to, you mentioned students not yet learning how to read. How can technology help them learn how to read? How can it le- help them learn how to uh, improve on the math? You know, so how in general, how can technology help them learn, help, help students learn? Well, one of the, the most compelling arguments for the use of technology in schools is its adaptability to different learning styles. So instruction can be individualized much more readily through the use of technology. I'll give you an example of one of the programs we use in Uniondale um, where students have the opportunity to read informational texts on the very same topic but at different reading levels. So, for example, if you're, you know, a, you know, um, I'm dating myself, but if you're in the Robin group, um, your 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 reading level might be at a very high level at a very high level, and mine might not be as high. But we we're both reading about um, global warming, let's say, and so we'll get the same information, but the vocabulary the vocabulary that you get will be more challenging, and then. Um, we're challenged to understand the material based on our ability to read it. But then what happens in this particular program is we share out interpretations that we read in emails that we exchange with the teacher. And this, this email exchange is in a very controlled environment that only, you know, only the teacher would have access to. And my vocabulary, again, might not be as rich as your vocabulary, but... Um, the concepts that I've learned and the concepts that I have to communicate are really are around the same um, around the same topic around the same issues, and the hope is that you know that my vocabulary will improve as I'm more and more immersed in the different informational texts that come my way. So that's that's an example of a program that we use in Uniondale that um, that. You know, kind of builds on the skills that I have, that the students have, and that we can develop and challenge students to to improve using technology and using. And you know, the teacher obviously is still an integral part because the teacher is communicating with the students through the email, and the and the students. One of the other things that's wonderful about this program is that the students are are getting gaining very real writing practice. Which you know, of course, goes hand in hand with the reading. Of course, and how might you think the uh, parents can be involved with the technology and and helping the teacher and helping the student learn? Oh, that's you know, that's a really that's a that's a wonderful question. Now, one of the thing. Okay, there there are two ways I could go with this. One of the reasons that I think it's so important to have technology in schools is because of the equity. So. You know, there are families, unfortunately, who don't have, you know, the same level of technology in their homes that other families have. So when the students are in school, they can be assured of, you know, having access to the, to the technology. And then when they go home, if, the, if they don't have the technology, the parents can um, take them to the public library, which, you know, I mean, public libraries across the nation or, or you know, or warehouses of technology that students can use. And parents, Absolutely. one of the things, one of the things about technology is, you know, it's twenty four seven 
uh, capability that, you know, no matter what the time of day, if you, if you, if you're lucky enough to have your child in a district that, um, posts resources on websites. For instance, in Uniondale, uh, we have every, every teacher has the ability to have a class page. So on this class page, the teacher posts homework, the teacher posts resources, um, and, you know, and there, we have teachers who actually create videos for the, for the students to, you know, to use to learn um, concepts from home. So the parents can be involved in, you know, supporting, you know, supporting the access to, the, to these resources um, by, you know, by giving the students the opportunity, whether they have the um, technology at home or they um, take the students to the public library so they can take advantage of, of the resources there. Yeah. Do you find that parents actually follow up and, and do engage in, in checking the teachers' uh, pages? Yeah, yes, I know that they do because I often get calls from parents saying, you know, like I'm trying, I'm trying to sign on to the website because we do have parent access to, um, to the website and I'm having trouble. So we'll, we'll, we'll field calls from parents, um, to facilitate their access to, um, to that. And also we, we host parent workshops. Actually, we have an upcoming workshop where parents are coming and they're actually going to be, um, they're going to be taught by students, um, kind of like a boot camp for parents. Oh, that's so, excellent. So the parents can see exactly, you know, what resource, you know, what, what resources do we have? How, how are we supporting student uh, research projects? How are we supporting uh, studying for exams, you know, through different pro, we have different, I call them like study skills programs. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, you know, we, you know, we, we, we send out inf- that kind of, in- we're, we're going to have that information for them when they come. And we also post this information on the different websites and also through the library. Each, each of the schools has a library we- website and a lot of that information for parents to help support their students at home is available on those uh, library websites as well. Excellent, excellent. Okay, it's time to take a short break, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Janice Friedman. Janice, uh, in what ways does the integration of technology create higher student achievement? Well, I think one of the ways that's most, um, that's most important is the way Teachers can use the power of technology to examine and analyze individual students' academic needs. Um, when, when they do that, they can apply the data that they discover to strategies that address uh, strengths and weaknesses. So if, if they're addressing strengths and weaknesses and they tailor their instruction accordingly, there's no doubt in my mind that that will lead to higher student achievement. Achievement. And then if you take the data and you analyze it in terms of the curriculum and 
whether or not it's effective, and if it's not effective, changes are made accordingly, then I, th- I believe that students are bound to do better as well. Okay. So that, to me, is the most powerful way that the integration of technology can create higher student achievement. Also, the motivation that that's apparent when um, technology is infused into the into the learning process. I think that leads to enthousi- enthusiastic learners, and enthusiastic learners are motivated. You know, it's kind of like a, a circle. You know, if you're motivated, you're more enthusiastic, and if you're more enthusiastic, you're motivated. And then, you know, the other the other pieces will fall into place. The critical thinking that is so I'm in in New York with the the high stakes testing that happens in New York, and with the Common Core standards, and so many states have adopted these Common Core standards, has, has to do with um, increasing critical thinking. And technology creates a lot of opportunities where that, with the, with those higher level thought processes, must come into play. The problem solving, the content knowledge, all all is a part and parcel of it. And what I like, to, you know, what I like to think that we're creating is a generation of independent learners, learners who know the importance of collaborating and know how to. Uh, learn on their own, know how to make discoveries on their own, know how to uh, apply their knowledge and communicate their knowledge. And using technology, I think, is essential to, you know, the success of that. Okay. Now, give us some insight into ways in which you believe technology has revolutionized student learning. Um, well, let me let me share with you an example of a research project. I mean, I said before that that's my personal bias, but um, I think it really, um, I'll be able to show you how how important it is. So if you have a, a research project, let's say it's about exploring an environmental issue. A, a traditional project would have the students looking up the information, writing some paragraphs, sharing the details about the, that particular issue, maybe taking a position, um, you know, it could be, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be interesting. I'm not saying it wouldn't necessarily be a compelling research paper. You know, it very likely could be, or it possibly could be. But if the the project that I I saw was had the technology um, integrated, which um, definitely transformed the way the students learned because they had to do that research and find all the information that they would have had to communicate in a traditional paper, but they were asked to create a public service announcement using a technology tool, and they created a movie. So they got all the information, but they the way they shared it out was in a way that was engaging, was motivating, plus they knew it was going to have this audience that was not just the teacher. It was the work that they did was posted on the on the website so that their parents could see, their grandparents could see, anybody anybody could have access to it. So then they're they're even more motivated to do a good job because of the audience that um, the technology lends itself to having. Now, now you mentioned how technology really ex- has the students' work exposed to 
really the whole world, uh, family, friends, and what have you. Um, is there a way where maybe we don't need to have children in within the four walls of a school in in, all day in order to, uh, to learn and to grow? Maybe we can have shorter school days instead of longer. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I agree, I, I agree with that, but I do believe that there's a way to expand the reaches of uh, what's learned in the in the school day. And one of the things that one of the um, movements or trends in education now is this blended learning um, initiative, where um, there's a combination of online learning and in in school learning. And one one of the things um, one of the, the one of the things that's happening in different school districts across the country is that teachers are creating tutorial videos, much like you'll see on Khan Academy, which is an example of where this happens. But the teachers themselves, you know, as if let's say I'm a social studies teacher, I'll create you know a tutorial on a, on you know something about the De- Declaration of Independence. And my students will be able to read, um, to view the tutorial at home. And then when they come to class, they could break into groups and do, you know, do more project-based learning. That, you know, instead of, you know, my lecturing them in the classroom, they'll do the learning of the concept outside the classroom and apply the concept in, in class. Um, Another thing that we do in in Uniondale is we have video conferences where students are exposed to different experts. We have students attending, quote, unquote, attending um, uh, museums. They've gone to uh, zoos. They've talked to sci- scientists. Um, they've talked to soldiers. You know, this is, you know, but... But always with the support of the teacher. I mean, I don't want to minimize the import of having the teacher um, as, you know, the very, very key um, person in a in a student's life. So, um, so I don't know that shortening the school day is something that I would recommend or endorse. But I certainly would look to technology to expand the reaches of, you know the ways in which students can learn outside the classroom and to transform, you know, what happens in the classroom itself. So it's not, you know, so lecture-based, but it's more project-based. Excellent, excellent response. Uh, we've been speaking with Janice Friedman, Director of Library Media Services and Instructional Integration for the Uniondale School District on Long Island, New York. Uh, Janice, thanks for joining us. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.